My name is Fawn Parrish. It's my joy to welcome you to StoryPeer, where we bring you remarkable stories from around the world. In today's episode, Mike Cashola tells us a most amazing dream. It may have happened hundreds of years ago when Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo explored the California coast. Mike, we're so glad to have you back on Story Pier. And uh, one of the things you mentioned when you were talking about meeting your dead dad when you were for the very first time when you were 40 was how forgiveness came easier to you because you had had so much experience in the Native American community and seen the effects of them forgiving the white man for the atrocities that had been perpetrated on the Native American community. And uh, I think one of my favorite stories about this, and you have so many stories, but this is one of my favorites, is you have a dream one night, and the dream sounded ludicrous to everybody that heard it when they first heard it. But since then, many years later, there's been verification after verification that it was a true dream. Do you want to describe that dream? Yeah, um, so um, I had a dream one night that... um, it's um, one of those dreams that you really think is a pizza dream by the time you wake up the next morning. Um, the problem is that it seemed so real. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and in the dream, um, it was in a place where I had worked before because I'm a contractor. And I had worked in this place and I knew it very well. Mm-hmm. And so in the dream, the dream definitely was on the same location as um, uh, Camarillo State Hospital. And, and that's in California. That's in California. And um, Camarillo State Hospital is a mental institution that needed construction work when I was mm-hmm. younger. And, and I went out there and worked there many, many times. And so in the dream, um, I'm on the property and um, I see a ship coming up Calagas Creek, which this creek is, is really just... A little tiny bit of water and there's no way a ship mm-hmm. can come up this mm-hmm. creek there's no way a polywog can come up this <laughs> just, creek. just about. yeah you're right and today right. Um, and so but the ship was coming up and the dirt was like parting as it came toward um, the uh, the location and I noticed that it was like a conquistador kind of mm-hmm. looking um, ship and it wasn't it wasn't really a full-on ship it was like the ships that they use to get off of a ship, ship right, you know, right. and but the one thing that was very noticeable is as soon as they got to the area, because I was I was kind of like uh, I was kind of like hovering over, You're like it, a drone, watching it, a drone over, yeah, the, like you, watching yeah, it. Yeah. What uh-huh. happened? Um, the conquistador looking guys, soldiers, jumped out of the boat and they had like muskets mm-hmm. and they were shooting these Native Americans mm-hmm. um, and. Um, I mean, everybody. They were shooting all of them. Just indiscriminate. Yeah, and it, women, children, mm-hmm. didn't matter. They were they were just killing them. And um, so, a couple things. One is, I noticed that it was in a Native American village. It was not Camero State Hospital, so it had to be much long a long time ago. Right. Um, and um, and so. You wake up. I wake up because I'm so devastated mm-hmm. by. The massacre of the, this village. So you tell your dream to your wife. Yeah, I tell my I tell Donna, my wife, and I tell her the dream, and she says, "You better keep that to yourself." <laughs> yeah, because yes, we want yeah. your sanity to be right, your reputation intact. Right. 
and so um, so I'm working on a job site just maybe the next day or a couple days later oh okay, okay. and um, this carpenter comes up to me and he said hey you want to take your break together and I go yeah and so we sat down and the first thing he says to me is he says hey do you know anything about the two mash people Hmm. And I said, um, well, I had a dream. No, you didn't tell him the dream. No, 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 no. no, no. Um, I said, well, I know a little bit. Uh, what do you know? And he said, well, um, uh, I was fishing at Lake Kachuma the other day, and one of the rangers that I know really well, um, uh, I asked him to do something. He says, well, I have to take this food out to this uh, this Native American out uh, on on the island side of Lake Kachuma. He lives out there and has for the last, last 50 years. And he goes, oh, tell me the story about that. And he said, well, he was here before we were. And um, so it was like we couldn't kick him off. And mm -hmm. so we just gotten to know him. And he, you know, he's such a nice guy. And, and I, uh, yeah, something just kind of leaped in me like, you need to jump on this. Yeah. And I so, to talk to him. Um, but, it, but it also reminded me of something. And that is who the native people of the land was, mm -hmm. the Chumash. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember growing up in Ventura, and the mission in Ventura has a, a little area in the back. It says, called it the Chumash Village. Mm -hmm. And we used to go and play in there when the, when the priests weren't around. Mm -hmm. And so it reminded me that there were the native people were the Chumash people Chumash. of this land. Yes. And so anyway, I said, well, you wouldn't happen to have that ranger's phone number, would you? And he goes, oh, I do. He's a friend. Mm -hmm. And so he, he gives me the number, and he says, tell him that I that you know me and that you're studying the Chumash people right. and I said okay and so I called him and and he said oh yeah sure he said matter of fact uh, he said what time is it was like 10 o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. at that point and because we were just taking our break and he said I'm taking food out at two o'clock he says now I'll have to take it out to him and then ask if it's okay because mm -hmm. I've never taken there's never been a visitor there mm -hmm. that I know of. Mm -hmm. and I said that's fine so I drove my truck got my truck drove to Lake Kachuma took me out in the boat all the way to the other side and then he went and asked he came back and he said he wants to talk to you mm -hmm. he said how how long do you want me to wait before I come back and we didn't have cell phones back then right, right? right yeah. and so I said how about an hour and okay. he said that's fine okay. he said I'll be back in an hour and so I'm walking down this dirt path and I see this kind of a hut it, mm -hmm. it wasn't exactly a teepee right. kind, but it but it was a hut and just canvas right and, and dirt floor and dirt floor mm -hmm. and he heard me coming he goes who's there and now realize mm -hmm. i've been told he's 108 years old right okay and so um he sounds 108 years old too. <laughs> and so and he anyway, looks 108 years yeah, old right I, he opens a canvas and he's you could tell he's out in the weather a mm -hmm. lot okay mm -hmm. and but he's definitely dark really dark mm -hmm. and so um, he says come in and he says so why are you here and I said I'm just going to tell you a dream that I had mm -hmm. because I don't know how to start this conversation mm -hmm. so I told him the dream and at first he got really upset with me mm -hmm. and he said who told you our people do not write anything down we only tell each other we pass it to generation to generation who told you mm -hmm. I said told me what mm -hmm. about the village being massacred who told you mm -hmm. and I said no one told me I had a dream mm -hmm. 
He said, you described exactly what happened to my family, my, mm-hmm. fa- my la- the family a generation ago. Yeah. My, my, my great grandfather and grandmother were great, no, he said great, great, were out, uh, no, my grandfather was out on a hunting party. Mm-hmm. And when they came back, they were all, they were all dead, mm-hmm. including his grandmother, mm-hmm. great, great grandmother. Mm-hmm. And I, at that point, I was just like, wow. And did he say, when he said, who told you, didn't he also say, we don't trust the white man with our stories because you always change them? Yeah. He, uh, we spoke for almost the full hour. Mm-hmm. And in that, in that time, he said, um, he said to me, there is, um, he said, you described the, the landscape so well that I thought for sure that that somebody had told you. Mm-hmm. And he said, it, we, the Chumash people, we do not trust the white man because they've broken so many treaties. So I wanted to know who broke that. It's our own spoken code, code yeah. that we don't tell the white man anything because we can't trust them. So if we fast forward the story, then... There has been a geological map that shows that Cayugas Creek really was actually very large. And there is an entry in one of the diaries about the Cabrillo expedition. Not that they came up the creek, but that they were, the ship was near Point, uh, Point Magoo Rock. And that also now, since there's been construction, because Couch State Channel Islands is now on the property of what used to be Camarillo State Hospital, now they are actually finding indigenous people's bones, Native Americans, probably Chumash's bones on that property. Yeah, they're, they're finding bones and um, pestles and um, even, even buried canoes and things mm-hmm. like that that says that it was a village. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're figuring it um, out to be quite old because mm-hmm. it, was, it was under a couple feet of dirt. Okay. And so, um, but prior to that time, there was no knowledge of ever there being. No, matter of fact, when asked, I asked, and and um, I was told over and over again, no, that wasn't a a village for Mm -hmm. the Chumash people. Mm -hmm. And you have said on a previous uh, podcast about how working with the Native Americans and seeing how much forgiveness they have given toward the white man helped you forgive your father who pretended to be dead to everyone and changed his name, and you didn't meet till you were forty. Um, explain a little bit about forgiveness as far as atrocities that have happened to the Native American. What, what has been your experience in watching Native Americans choose to forgive the atrocities that have been perpetrated toward them? Well, the first thing that the Native Americans expect you to do, which they all think that you will never do, is admit it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first step in unlocking the door mm-hmm. um, for them to even consider it. Mm-hmm. Um, then once the door is unlocked, I, I have been fortunate enough to get to know other Chumash men since then mm-hmm. that um, have told me that you know there was a time that uh, the government paid five dollars a scalp of scalp to right. to kill um, Indians. Mm-hmm. And so the Chumash uh, from one, at one point was down to like 200 Chumash that they knew that were still alive, that were mm-hmm. still hiding in the mountains. Mm. Um, so they, 
they drove them off because of eminent domain. If they drove them off their land and they didn't, they weren't there to claim it, they would take their land for free. So the first step is admitting that atrocities have been done toward them. Right. Um, the second one is um, to it, realize that they not only lost their land, they lost their life, mm -hmm. they lost their language. They were told they can't speak their language anymore in the Catholic churches. Mm -hmm. They were given Christian names. They weren't allowed to have their names anymore. They couldn't speak their language. They were not, not allowed to. Um, uh, they had to dress like us, like Christians. Mm -hmm. They had to um, cut their hair. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they were they were treated subhuman. Mm -hmm. And um, if you if you go to try to find history books in this, mm -hmm. they don't they don't say they were treated that way, but they mm -hmm. they were. Mm -hmm. And um, and so the questions you asked me about my father. Yes. I mean, some of these men that I've met, and women, uh, Chumash women, that have decided that they wanted to go ahead and go ahead and forgive, you could just see the change in their life. It, mm -hmm. it went from being bitter and, and hatred and um, angry all the time mm -hmm. to this peacefulness and uh, a, a whole joy come back into their life. Mm -hmm. and. All I had to do was forgive my father for not being there all my life. Right. I didn't lose anything. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it is to have a father. Right. Right. So for me to have a father, it was so easy for me to forgive him, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. though he was never there for me. Yeah. And actually, after we, I met him, he really didn't do anything for me. He mm -hmm. just We talked on the phone, and we saw each other mm -hmm. four times. Mm -hmm. Well, he was still alive. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I know you need to run. And um, I, I, I think your story, both about your dad on a previous podcast and, and on this story, just shows the power of forgiveness to release bitterness from a heart and put it on a whole new trajectory, trajectory of, of, um, of peace and, and, and not holding anger close to the heart. And, and releasing peace and um, we know who enables us to do that and uh, so that's 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 our desire in, in if, if someone's listening to this that has a lot of anger toward atrocities that have been per perpetrated toward them to just encourage them forgiveness is is such a key to wholeness I would agree with that totally and I actually live that mm. and um, it took it took me to spend time with someone that had a better reason to be um, to harbor unforgiveness than myself and see them change for me to realize that I could change too. Thanks, Mike. We look forward to future stories from you. If you'd like to grow in forgiveness or you're interested in more about Native American issues, go to Reconcile.org. There's an elective on Native American issues that you might find beneficial. Thank you for listening to Story Peer. We look forward to bringing you future podcasts of memorable stories from around the world. Check out our website at www.storypeer.com.